We're Not Dead, a podcast about a story of survival. Bang, 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 bang. Hello and welcome to episode 49 of We're Not Dead, the official community podcast of We're Alive. I am your host this week, Nick Voodoo. Britt is... I don't know. I think she's in Vegas. I don't know what she's doing in Vegas. She may come back, not Brittany Brombacher for all we know. But since she's not here, I have with me, from the forum, Awkward Alex. Awkward Alex, welcome to the podcast. Hi. Hi. So, what's with the handle Awkward Alex? Is it like... A real life thing? Are you socially awkward, or is it just uh, where did where did awkward Alex come from? Well, it kind of came from I am awkward, but ever since I was a little kid, um, my favorite video game when I was little was The Sims, and I nice. for some reason my third grade mind thought it was awesome that I was playing a teen rated game, so I made Ooh. my original handle a Sim Kid, and then mm-hmm. I had wrote into another podcast that I listened to, and they made fun of my name on the air. So I was like, Bastards. Yeah, I was like... And here I go doing it all over again. Well, you're not but laughing at my name. No, definitely not. All right. Awkward Alex, when did you get into We're Live? What chapter did you join us? Um, I joined... Um, the second season was already finished and done and everything. It was um, Thanksgiving here in the United States. I know Canada just has their last week. Yep, but, happy um, Thanksgiving, Canada. <laughs> Yeah, so it was um, late November. It was also, I remember it because of that, and it was also the last beta for Star Wars, The Old Republic, and I was in it. But I had been listening to a video game walkthrough for Dead Island by the Media Cows, Mm -hmm. and anyone who's played Dead Island knows that there is a lot of dead space between any kind of dialogue or cutscenes. So to way to fill up the dead space in it, the uh, the player Dewey would ask and answer questions from the previous one. Around the 30th, someone asked him what his favorite zombie media was, and he said, we're alive. Ooh, so, yeah. Excellent. I, yeah, so wait, I record- Wait, wait, wait. So there, you, you got into we're alive through video games, but you didn't come to us through Greg Miller? Yeah. He, I think he probably found it from Greg Miller, but... Okay. Well, okay, but... so by proxy, because I was going to say, something's not right in the world all of a sudden. I'm not sure what it is. <laughs> all right, um, so what? who is your favorite character in the show? Um, My favorite character would have to be Kelly, with Scratch coming at a very, very close second. Ooh, I don't know that I've ever asked anyone and had Kelly come in first. So what, is, what about Kelly? What about her makes you just go, ooh, yay. You know, I just love that she's become kind of a bit of a badass. I mean, at the beginning, I was with everyone, like, push her out the friggin' door, let him kill her. But then, you know, it's like, she just all of a sudden, like, when they were heading to the colony, she was shooting zombies while they were in the boat, and all of a sudden, she became a complete badass. (laughs) Do you have hope upon hope that when she got to Boulder, she finally got laid? Uh, hopefully, because that's what she wanted. If not, we might... We might get Bitch Kelly back if she didn't. Oh, God. Uh. (laughs) (laughs) Then Scratch is taking the place. (laughs) Yes, definitely. Um, And what about Scratch? Because that's... I mean, Scratch is a popular character, obviously. Uh, What about her um, makes you like her that much? Well, one, because Osiris says he's her number one fan. And two, two, that um, I just love great villains that are just able to, like, be so terrifying and evil... But not mm-hmm. like be screaming. She to me scratches up there with like a Hans London and Glorious Bastards and Okay. You know, she's just Definitely. kind of that scary thing. It's like Bees the, the, said when she said you better start running, it's like, bitch. Yeah, the 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 creepy calm. Yeah. Even though you know there's like the rumbling underneath. I got my dad listening to the show, so we were trying to explain to my mother how evil Scratch is, and I'm like, she's the kind of person that would be saying we're going to kill your family and make you watch, but she'd be tang- saying it with like a totally normal tone voice. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. To, and I'm going to totally nerd out, but to me, Scratch reminds me, and the way that Jenna performs Scratch reminds me a lot of Jake the Snake Roberts for all of you old school wrestling fans. And that hits a brick wall. No, I'm just kidding. Um, 
So, uh, those are your two favorites. Who are your least favorites? You can name more than one if you want to, or just your least favorite character, period. Um, I would have to say Gatekeeper, because I just, we've seen him again in the colony, but I still just don't trust him, because, I mean, he's been bad before. Right. And probably Bixby, too, for the same reason. All you have to do is keep a shovel, just keep a shovel around, and Bixby's no problem. Yeah. Definitely. Um, now, what... With the two characters, obviously we've gone back to them, and you, you, we've seen them again in a different light. Um, does that change? Did that change your opinion at all, or did you say no? You know, that's just shining a shit turd. Well, you know, I mean, they might have seen the light, but honestly, it's just they're just bad people from the beginning, and I mean, they're just they've been kind of slave drivers, so mm-hmm. it's kind of that thing. <laughs> No, I, to- I, I, I totally agree. I get what, exactly what you're saying. All right, so those are your favorite characters. What has been your favorite chapter? What is the one that you always end up going back and listening to? Um, Either chapter one, because I just love the beginning of a story mm-hmm. like that, or chapter 19, because it's just filled with so many different things going on. Right, and chapter 19 is the colony. Well, awkward Alex, I'm just going to continue to call you Alex, if that's okay. Yeah. Perfect. Alex, thank you for coming on, and uh, let's get into the recap. What do you say? Yeah, let's do it. Uh, Hope! Wake up! You hear that? What? Do not leave your car and head directly there. Continue on 70 where a safe checkpoint will be established. Episode 100 of We're Alive. It only takes one part two, which, by the way, hurts your head if you think about it hard enough. A little bit. A little bit. Okay. We start off in Boulder. Distant shots and explosions are heard. Hope and Datu wake up in the garage and hear the evacuation call. Hope is concerned. By the way, if the beginning of this kind of sucks, it's because I wrote this on the train and then my iPod deleted all of it. So I didn't go back. I sort of did it from memory. So I apologize. Hope is concerned because they don't have a car and Datu can't drive anyway. He says he can drive, just not so good. Hope says she could probably do better. They decided to check to see if the douchebag next door has a car. Datu ties a rope around himself and gives Hope the other end. Uh, He wants to make sure she's far enough away if he needs to swing the picket. Rope Hope. Did I say that backwards? No, you just, it kind of rhymed. Rope Hope. Rope a dope Hope. Um... Uh, I just now picture Muhammad Ali punching a blind 13-year-old. Oh, That's God. <laughs> it's sick that gonna, you and, laughed. And, it's make, and he's making fun of her the whole time. Just the, I pity you. That's Mr. T. They find the dude slaughtered in small, in small enough pieces that he couldn't turn. Datu tries to find his pants, but first he's going to have to find his legs. Hope stands in something very squishy as Datu finds the keys. Outside, an army vehicle speeds past, and a little one cries can be heard. Datu prays that the car that he's about to steal is in a stick shift. Datu and Hope open the garage and they find a sports car. Not so good for snow, but really great on speed. Oh my! What? It'll be fast, but I don't know about the snow. They head out to try to get to Kelly and Pegs, but find that the way is blocked. Datu fulfills his pro- Hope's prophecy of being a sucky driver and gets into an accident. As the guy he hit comes back to check on them, a little one comes and kills him, and Datu speeds away. They find all the uh, ways blocked to to Kelly and to Pegs, and uh, they meet up with others who are leaving the city. Datu observes a few people he sees. No. We can't get to Pegs and Kelly. It's not possible. Maybe they got back on at Irwin. Puck tells Kimmet to the evac yeah. into the north isn't going so well. Michael says the plows are making pass out. Carl says there's a bunch of people already at the Evergreen turnoff. Michael then screams a bunch and curses, saying that they learned that the C-130 was damaged in an attack on the airfield. Damn it! No! Fuck! Kimmet asks if the refueling station is located near there and is told yes. No helicopters have enough fuel to make it back to Irwin. Kimmet orders the evac hel- uh, helicopters to the rendezvous point, uh, the Greenpoint turnoff. Puck tells them uh, to land at the in the parking lot of the S-Smart. There's a response on the radio. We can't hear it, but it can be presumed that the response was, that's right, shop smart, shop S-Smart. <laughs> Hail to the king, baby. Michael reports uh, Boulder guys at HQ, HQ is getting, getting hit, hit pretty, pretty hard, hard and they are falling back. Pulling back. Puck mentions that when that happens, they'll lose calm. Kimmet orders the 15-minute alarm to be sound. 
Michael complains that they need more time. Kimmet finally puts his foot down, saying if they can't get out in 15 minutes, they probably wouldn't make it out anyway. Puck says they have a favorable fallout wind at Irwin, and Carl presents the blast radius uh, and the death predictions. Comms are now down at Boulder. There are only two sad phones. Michael leaves for the smoking deck and is told that the French girl came by earlier but wasn't allowed in. Robbins is outside and strikes up a conversation with Michael. He asks, Michael asks Robbins about the Chinook. Robbins is beating himself up for not finding Griggs and laments how his mistake has called all this to happen. Michael says if not for Robbins, Kim, it would have flipped the switch much, much earlier. Robbins is comforted. Oh, shocking. Michael couldn't comfort someone emotionally. No, I don't believe you. <laughs> I love Michael this sound- part, though, because it just reminded me of when Pegs dropped the pot. It just brought oh, yeah. me back to an old school moment. <laughs> yeah, the, 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 the fun part about this scene, I posted this on the forum, too, was my favorite part of it was the role reversal. Michael sounds a lot like Angel, and Robin sounds so much like old Michael. Like, you see now that Michael has grown into something else, and you see him looking at someone making the same mistakes of, I could have done more, I should have done more, I could have done this, I could have done that. No, you can't. You can't do it anymore. So I thought that was actually kind of an interesting dynamic in their um, conversation, too. Yeah, I love that, too. Let me see here. Michael says Robbins uh, is needed because he's one of the only people left who can fly. He asks about uh, Robbins asks about the Pelican. Michael laughs, saying that uh, their best mechanics couldn't get it working, but King Dotu the Resourceful could. Robbins asks what happens now. Kimmich says the survivors are going to end up at Irwin, and Robbins mentions how he has a few people he's worried about. Michael says me too. Michael says if Robbins let them, him know who they are, he'll keep an eye out. Robbins asks where Michael is from, Irwin or Boulder, and he says L.A. Robbins says that's the first I have heard of that. Michael says he hoped Robbins had run into his friends, but Robbins is never really far away from his Blackhawk. Ten more minutes. Think we'll be able to see it from here? I doubt it. Just be glad you're here. Back in the outskirts of Boulder, Datu is following a car to the rendezvous point. The road is plowed, so they should be going in the right direction. The guy he's following apparently runs out of gas, and Datu pulls over. The man says he's taking a different way. He notices the supplies in the back of the car that Datu has been previously unaware of. Hmm. Datu says uh, to get in. The guy tells him to get the fuck out. Datu says I, that hope is blind, and the guy says, are you? The ever-resourceful king of We're Alive proceeds to slam on the gas and leaving the dirt bag in the snowy dust. Uh, the dirtbag shoots at them as they escape. Datu learns that the douche nozzle lied about being out of gas, which prompts him to become, uh, which prompts Hope to become a whiny little teenage bitch again. Hope asks him where they are after the guy cuts off his pursuit. Um, Datu sees a sign for the six, so Hope knows they are going east to west. Um, she asks Datu what time it was. He says 7:23 a.m. The sun is behind them, so they are going west. She asks Datu where they're supposed to go. Datu says the 70s. So Hope says, uh, He's so, so not, not helpful. helpful. <laughs> this blind kid says I'm not helpful. Datu says if they can't find other people, he knows where to find one person, Michael. Hope bitches that this is the blind leading the blind, and Datu has finally had enough and pulls over. Datu laces into Hope, saying that the reason he left to take care uh, left Erwin was to take care of Hope. He was the only one who did. He's also the only the one who convinced him to perform her eye surgery. He reveals that he would have stayed at Irwin, and as Hope tries to leave the car, Datu tells her if she leaves him now, she'd be screwed. Hope sheepishly apologizes. Datu tells her to sit down and shut the fuck up. Shortly down the road, there's a rest stop with abandoned cars. Datu looks, uh, leaves to look for a map, telling Hope to keep the windows rolled up. Oh, okay, but... Hey! No window on your side, huh? Sucks to be you. <laughs> mm. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, he breaks in. <laughs> he breaks into a couple cars, uh, breaking windows, one of which was unlocked and thus very unnecessary. Hope finds maps in their own glove box. Datu tries to defend himself, saying that he doesn't drive enough to think of that. Michael checks his watch. Puck reports all helicopters have made it to the rendezvous point. Kimmet says it's time as Carl hands him the phone. Michael asks if he's sure. You sure about this? We have no choice. Damn it. Datu has found himself on the map. Uh, he realizes if he continues on the road he's on, they'll reach the 70. If no one is there at the, at the he can see the path to Fort Irwin, so he was suddenly uh, able to get to Fort Irwin if that becomes necessary. And we could head all the way south, and then go along this way to Fort Irwin, and... Oh, oh my god! What's happening? I, I don't know! Oh! oh, oh. Get, get down! Oh. Got you! <laughs> 
And that's the end of this chapter. I absolutely loved the part at the end with the bomb because um, I talked to my grandmother a lot about this episode, and I mentioned on the forums that outside Las Vegas in the 50s, she watched the atomic bombs being tested. And so when I was in high school, we went to the UNLV Radiation Museum, and they put us in a test bunker to listen to them, or to watch it, and it sounded exactly like that. And it was just so cool and reminded me of that. That that's cool. I I mean I assume just through the thoroughness of Casey that that would be an accurate depiction of it, um, and that that is just insane. Like even just through headphones, the the sheer volume of it, I could feel it like rattling my brain. I can't even imagine what it feels like to experience that in person. It, that's just crazy. I just I remember seeing it and like the test bunker and it's just like the room's like completely dark and you're in this concrete like box and everything's just like completely bright in an instant and it's that exact same sound now i'm wondering he should have been close enough i think from the maps that we saw on the forum he should have been close enough in theory that he should have been able to see the mushroom cloud and the light i know that there i know that i know that there i know that there's mountains in the way but i assume he could see that which is i'm pretty sure excuse me what keyed him in to the fact that this is bad. Something really bad has just happened. We are in a lot of trouble. And then, of course, he... I he, he, I guess he instinctively ducked and covered from the 1950s. He got under his desk. <laughs> just to make sure the Russians couldn't find him. Yeah. I don't know. Um, so, so I would assume he had to see that, which... I know there's a bunch of people joking on the forums like, Hope takes off her blindfold, her off of her bandages, and she looks and sees something for the first time, and it's the mushroom cloud, and she goes blind. That would be jacked up, but when <laughs> I asked my grandmother about the atomic bombs, we watched a bunch of videos on YouTube, and I had her listen to the last thing. And there's one YouTube on video if, or on YouTube that if you search um, Las Vegas atomic bombs, there's one that doesn't have any sound, but it's mm-hmm. of the uh, soldiers going into their foxholes, and the camera's like away from the bomb, but you see like the entire screen just go bright white. So yeah. He probably saw it. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I, I can't even imagine seeing something like that. That would be the most terrifying thing probably ever. Um, and obviously everyone has seen like the pictures of like that house and those trees that just get like blasted and sent sideways or just yeah. explode from the shock blast of a nuclear explosion. And remember, those are old, too. The thing that went off in, in, in Boulder for the story... Is new. Way. New and improved. Way. New and improved. Uh, a lot more force behind it. A lot more destruction behind it. Um, so, it's, it's not even a comparison to that. Um, now, you liked it. I liked it. It was kind of, it, it got kind of a mixed reaction, at least from the Facebook crowd. I know the forum crowd had a lot to, we, we attached ourselves to a lot of stuff. Um, but there was a lot of sort of, reaction from the Facebook crowd that wasn't quite as positive, I think because the hype for the 100th episode, they expected something, I guess it maybe got overhyped. So they expected something so huge, and you did get something really big, but it wasn't quite what you were looking for, so it was kind of a letdown, that sort of a thing. Like, oh, this movie's so great, this movie's so great, you gotta go see it, you gotta go see it, and then it just doesn't live up to the hype. I feel like that's sort of a situation happened. Um, So, like... Where was it? Uh, Gordon Brown from Facebook said, I have to say, the 100th episode, it was a bit meh. Um, and Shane Taylor said, yeah, unless I missed something, the 100th episode had no shocks or awes. The We're Not Dead had more answers and revelations than the episode 100. So that was our interview with Casey that they're, they're talking about. And then I posted um, a, a vote on the Facebook page, and 17, it was like 24 people, I think, voted. 17 of them said, you know, I kind of liked the episode, but it didn't really knock my socks off. So... It seemed like some people registered as a regular old we're alive and nothing really special about it. So I don't know. That was that I was kind of shocking say that to me. There was a shock and awe, but um, you know, I kind of like the fact that Casey didn't make it like a big, like very different episode. It's just it goes in with the timeline. I mean, that's right. what the "We're Not Dead" episode was for—to explain all of the stuff that was going mm-hmm. to happen all of the new stuff that was going to happen to the forums and everything like that. 
Yeah, I, and I mean, at that point, if you're doing something superly, superly special for the show, you're sort of trying to cram it into the structure of a story. And and he, again, he was talking about on the, the episode, the 46.5C, which came yeah. out as 47, um, he was talking about how he had to insert the chapter breaks uh, into chapter 12. And so he was like forcing structure on it, which is not something that he wants to do. So I can understand where we all would want something gigantic. Like we want uh, Bert to kill Scratch and Skullfucker. Or, you know, I guess a lot of people want Hope to die. You know, we want something big to happen. And, you know, I don't know how much bigger you get than a nuke exploding. Yeah, that's I, you know, pretty colossal. And that's something that we thought might have lasted all the way up until the end of the season. You know, we have... We have the bomb. We have two of the bombs. We have one under Irwin. We have one under Boulder. Who's going to blow it up? Well, it's Kimmet. He's going to do it right now. Beep. Boom. You know, there, there was almost no suspense to it. Maybe that's what people were upset about was we got the information really quick and then we utilized it really quick. Maybe that was what it was. Maybe, because it's, it's almost kind of like when you talk about it, it's kind of like, you know, when we found out Kalani was the rat, it's kind of like... It all happened in that huge chapter, and I love that chapter, don't get me wrong, but yeah. it is just that kind of thing where all of a sudden it's like we've been waiting and waiting, and it's like, whoo! Yeah. And then the, the rug's pulled out from under you, that's it, it's over. You know the answer now. Yeah. Alright, um, some posts from the forum. Um, Pikey Paw, happy Thanksgiving, sir, uh, our, our resident Canadian. Um, yeah, Hope was annoying this episode. However, I have a 13-year-old stepsister, and Hope is supposed to be 14. From my experience, she is pretty accurate representation of that age group. I have a very similar interaction in real life. Her second-guessing my every decision, doubting me, and uh, while I threatened to throw her out of the car and be eaten by zombies. So I'm going to assume that Hope is supposed to be irritating. Yay for Casey's realism. Yeah, I have to say, I would like to say that when I was a teenager, I wasn't a total brat like most teenage girls, but I hated teenage girls even when I was a teenage girl. I just hope I wasn't that bad. <laughs> yeah... My family hated me when I was a teenager because, by golly, I was annoying. And I I debated for the sake of debating. I knew I was wrong half the time, but I just loved the fight. It was like sparring, and then my family got sick of it and got wise and learned to never talk to me ever again. I think my um, family got off easy because I was very socially awkward. So I was just very quiet, easy, did my homework, played my video games. Perfect. Yeah, I... I was not that easy. Uh, hardcore, you maniacs, you blew it up. Damn you, damn you all to hell. Sorry, just had to channel Chuck Hessen for a second. Not sure what to That's say, I guess. That's why I read it in my head, too, when I saw that one. <laughs> you have to. You have to read it like Charlton Heston. If you don't, you're not human. Or you have never seen that film. I'm 21 um, and I know what that is. <laughs> I am very proud of you. Because there are so many people that don't know good movies like that. Or air quotes good movies. Well, even if you don't, you have to know some lines like that. You have to know them from something else. Oh yeah, you have to know. You have to know at least know the line. You know, because if you don't know, like, uh, I'm walking here. You have to know what that line is. Uh, I guess we say the hundredth episode really ended with a bang. Okay, sorry, lame joke. I gotta agree with the others. It was really satisfying to hear Datu to tell Hope to shut up. So we had a few minutes of help, uh, helpfulness, but mostly it was a lot of bratty complaining. All in all, it was a damn fine episode, Casey and company. Congrats. PSO, an additional note. Hopefully the absence of Peg and Kelly is due to Alyssa Elliott not being available and not an indication we won't hear them again. I don't think I can stand not hearing Peg's voice again, or Kelly for that matter. Uh, again, that was hardcore. Um, the PS was responded to by Casey saying that um, this was recorded well in advance of Alyssa and her uh, appendicitis in Japan. So that's not the reason. And Alyssa is also one of the script editors. So she's always around. Fun factoid. Fun factoid. I actually did not know that. I knew that Me neither. I knew that Blair was um, one of the copy editor type peoples. Uh, I did not know that Alyssa did that for him as well. So that was fun to know. Mm-hmm. Let's see how. Uh, Devilish Pizza. I wonder how accurate the explosion and shock wave we heard was to an actual nuclear explosion. We just covered that. Thank you, Alex. Um, does it really travel from point zero to... Uh, greater than 4.7 miles in just a few seconds, or is Litmaster right thinking it was a rock slide we heard at the very end? Um, but again, we just covered that. So that, again, to you, who's heard this from a, mu a museum who would, in theory... Thank my grandmother for watching them in high school for fun. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Let's all go down to the nuclear explosion site. That's what It'll they be a did great for time. fun. That's what she told me. That's what you would that's... go and see. Oh, and this so was crazy. before Vegas was like the place that you could see above space, so it lit up that's everything. True. I have. I, it's just so weird to know that there was a group of people that actually went and go to watch a nuclear explosion for fun. Like, did they bring like picnic baskets? Well, it was just something that you could see in Vegas. I mean, it was out in the. Nevada testing site, which is a little bit right. outside Vegas, but you could see it from the entire thing. And if you, um, I was Googling all this stuff to make sure all of our stuff was right for talking mm. about it on the forums and stuff. And if you, uh, Google Nevada testing site, you'll bring you to the Wikipedia page and all the soldiers are like not that far from the bomb. So civilians were quite a bit farther away, but they're still. The soldiers are so much closer. It's like, I can't believe anyone would be that close. Well, who knew about radiation then? Pshaw. Um, Cabbage Patch uh, was responding to someone's post. um, Basically, uh, we're Datu and Hope going to slowly die of radiation poisoning. Um, He's the one that, again, Cabbage Patch, if you're going to experience the zombie apocalypse... Find Cabbage Patch first. I know. He's like he's like the uh, Dachi Resourceful of the forums. And he knows how to shoot a gun correctly and not be excited when it actually works right. Um, at their current position, it's extremely unlikely that Datu or Hope received a dangerous radiation dose from the explosion. They're more than 30 miles away with some serious mountains between them and Boulder. Once the immediate blast radiation has passed within the first few seconds, the main radiation threat is from fallout, which the winds are mostly going east of Boulder. Um, and then he goes into a few more things about radiation. Uh, Friginators asks, Why all the hate, why all the hope hate? Jane's been doing great, and besides, Hope's remarks are completely understandable when you take into account she's running for her life with King Dot to the resourceful, is a terrible driver, hopeless shot, and is quite gullible. I do have to admit, though, that one point where she said, you're not being helpful at all. Well, he is being helpful, but you do have to admit that she's just figured out where they are. All the directions, where they're going and everything. from All while not being able to see. At that point, she did have a few helpful points, but still, yeah. she was being an annoying brat. Yes. Uh, and again, it's it's not hate on Jane or her performance. It is hate on the character who is annoying and we want to hit in the face with a shovel. Um, slim fit. I definitely smell a love triangle between Michael, Pegs, and Robbins. Uh, because the whole adult friend finder thing, and both Michael and Robbins are being worried about people in Boulder, it just sounds kind of like a KC twist. Anybody else? Uh, so yeah. So Robbins does mention those people that he's concerned about, um, and Michael says he is too. Do you view that as the potential brewing of a love triangle, or do you think it's people inserting a love story where they don't need one, or... Um... What, where do you come down on that? Is Robin's Peg's new, new it boy toy? It didn't even occur to me. It's possible, but I'm kind of thinking it's not. Actually, I think while I was waiting for you, I was reading the forms. I think someone just responded to what you said, um, but I don't think so. I just... Yeah, I saw the response. I didn't see who posted it. Let me see if I can find that real quick. Basically, the response to me was, um, hey, guys, you know, where the hell do you get this? Uh, my question was... Um, how do you reconcile the thought that Robin says he'd never heard of anyone from L.A.? Um, and I am Paul says, because Pegs would have told him about Michael, so he would know to watch what he says around him. Which, I suppose, and there was also someone on Facebook that brought that up as well. Um, and I don't think I copied that down, so I apologize, Facebook user, who brought up the same sort of thing. Oh, I'm sorry, Angus Isidore Rioche says there might be a love triangle, and I think they may have not mentioned their L.A. roots to Robin's. Um... So I suppose that's possible. I don't know that I buy that. I don't either, but it's one of those things that I don't think it is either. But, you know, there's always some way that Casey will twist it and make it workable. Like all the people who said, I hope it's not going to be Kalani. I hope it's not going to be Kalani. And then it is, and he makes it where it works so well. (laughs) Yeah. I mean... That if it's possible, if it is, then Casey will make it in some way that it's awesome. I don't know that I buy it simply because, and this I, this may go to a, an acting performance thing, Robin sounded genuinely shocked when when Michael said that I'm from L.A. Like, oh, wow. I've heard people saying, oh, I'm from here, I'm from there. I've never heard anyone say I'm from L.A. So I don't know where I fall on that, but I really, I, 
I'm putting my my hat currently on the fact that I don't think there's a love triangle. I think he's thinking of someone else. Um, yeah, and maybe it's just not important to so the story. Too. And he also said in the episode before, I think that he was in the uh, Boulder, Colorado National Guard. So he pro he might have someone there who he was tied That's to true. before the apocalypse. So so yeah, so he's he's a local boy yeah. from Boulder and just happens to have a bunch of people that he might be caring about. Now, that's not to say that he didn't get this exotic female from L.A. that came in who survived all this stuff and has is just like... Exotic? I thought she was a dirty hippie. She's from L.A. Anyone from L.A. to anyone in Boulder is exotic. True. That's that's my story. I'm sticking to it. <laughs> um, so, you know, you have this new girl that you meet. Um, I The thing that may throw a wrench into my thinking is, oh, well, I'm, I stick by my Blackhawk a lot. You know, yeah, you know what? You you do stick by your post, but you got to go somewhere. You got to have fun. You got to go home. So, you know, that might be evidence to the contrary from what I just believed. Yeah. Um, another post, uh, LR42186. Some thought, could the It Only Takes One title have to do with the fact that the coup and the nuke happened on the same day? I.e., it only takes one day to change everything. Hmm. It's possible. I think it's definitely aimed at the nuke, but it could be. There's always that uh, double meanings that Casey likes to have on there. Right, and it, it, at this point, it's almost if if this is the case, then it's almost a triple meaning. Um, for those that are, aren't aware, the stories have chronologically lined back up again, so we are in lockstep with each other. So the things that are happening in the colony happen the same day that the nuke goes off. Maybe not the same time frame. It may be, I think it may be 12 hours off. Because I'm pretty sure that the meeting was at 7 o'clock. Yeah. At night for the colony. And this went off at 7.20 in the morning. Um, but we're not but we months are, and weeks apart. Right. No, we are within 12 hours of each other right now. Yeah. Um, so if this is the case, now we're into triplicate. Because now we're talking it only takes one day to change everything with the colony and, and Boulder. Uh, it only takes one Griggs to go destroy Boulder. And it only takes one nuke to destroy Boulder. So that could work on all those levels, and that may very well be what we're playing at, but we have one more chapter part to figure out if maybe that's what we're getting at. Because, you know, now we've blown up Boulder. Now where do we go? We obviously have Datu and Hope that we know we're alive. We have Pegs and Kelly who are up in the air, possibly incinerated. So where do you think part three goes? Um, I think that just because people are curious about Datu and Hope, they will probably just uh, stick to Michael for most of the story. Like how Casey likes to make us crazy with being at the with Saul and Victor for so long and then switching back to Michael just when it's at that big part of the story. I, feel, I don't know that we abandon them quite yet. I feel we get to I, I feel like we get them to that safe zone. I don't know if anyone's going to be there anymore, but I feel like we get them there. I'm, I'm really trying to figure out how to reconcile the two storylines for the season finale. Because I'm not sure that they have to intertwine to be the season finale. They may just have to bounce back and forth and be dually climactic, perhaps, for all we know. Um, I don't know if they intertwine now. I'd imagine they have to, but I'm not sure how it happens. It obviously has to happen through a sat phone. But I, I, I am honestly very lost as to predicting where the show goes right now, which is a wonderful change of pace, where I don't have any ideas where the story's going to go. I know, because now it's so chopped up that it's like, are we going to appear? Are we going to be here? Are we going to be like Game of Thrones, where it's separate, 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 separate? Uh, Casey mentioned the Game of Thrones thing. <laughs> yeah, he mentioned that he doesn't like how many characters have so many different storylines, and I agree. <laughs> yeah, I can't imagine. That would drive me crazy. I already have ADD as it is. Um, the TV shows that promote that do eventually drive me nuts. Thank you, Robot Chicken. Um, <laughs> do... Do you think that we hear from Pegs and Kelly directly, like, with before the end of the season? Um, I think we might. It could be something small, like at the end of season two, where you have Scratch at the end, even though she was in the season. But, um, I think we will just because now we're at the point where Michael's thinking, like, are they okay? Are they alive? that we might hear from them. Do you think uh, maybe Michael gets to go to Boulder now, or do you think him keeps him there? Like, where do you feel like he ends up? Or 
I don't know. I think he might just be stuck in Irwin for right now. But, um, you know, we could hear from Pigs and Kelly and be sort of that thing like they have with Saul and Victor where they don't know that Kalani's the rat or not. So we have sort of these people know this, but these people don't know this kind of thing, you know? Yeah. I'm with you. It's so hard to predict what's going to happen now. Hello, puppy. Yeah, that's my dog. <laughs> what's your dog's name? Buddy. I didn't pick it. He was rescued. Oh, no. Hi, buddy. Welcome to the podcast. Buddy, who is your favorite character? Um, yeah, it, it's, He probably sizes my dad and his favorite character is Bert. <laughs> oh, of course. Yeah, there, there's always Bert. Bert's the ever popular. Yeah. Aside from a lot of nuclear arms explosions, talk, um, and lots of congratulations, there wasn't too, too much to really talk about. I guess one other thing to, to mention is Datu's trusting spirit seems to be living on against like to his detriment i know um, he broke two zombie rules he didn't check the car before he got in it and absolutely. he trusted someone <laughs> doubly absolutely again this is something i'm pretty sure was in the podcast that uh, no one else has heard yet except for me and sean and Oren because we did it um but we were talking and a lot about and bees bees heard don't a lot ever of it. forget bees <laughs> i never forget bees because Bees can do whatever he wants to this podcast, and I can't do anything about it because I, I can't, can't stop, stop him. Um, like the time that he turned me into a chipmunk. I um, love that. I, you know, half the time I don't end up hearing. Like I listen to the podcast, just you know, remind myself of shit that I said so that I can be try to be consistent when I'm talking to people, um, and also just to to critique myself because I'm sadomasochist that way. Uh, but I don't get to hear it before everyone else does because it usually comes out when I'm at work. Uh, and then all of a sudden I start getting tweets. Ah, that was hilarious what happened at the end. I was like, oh, what the fuck happened like, to me in this time? It's like, what did you do? What did you do? Like, can I, t- I was so mad when I was listening through with the, the interview with Casey because he edited out the the 30-some-odd seconds of Casey looking for uh, his one of his boards. And I was like, you son of a bitch. You never do that for me. And then he put it in the end, and it was hilarious. Um, but yeah, you know, do you feel... We were talking about Datu and how his type of character sort of survives well into these stories because he's a resourceful person. He's needed to do mechanical things. Um, but, you know, we've seen now that he is way too trusting um, and that that's a really kind of fatal flaw to his character. How... How long do you think he can continue to do this sort of stuff and not have it blow up in his face? Um, I don't know. I mean, maybe it's because he's been with someone since the beginning of this thing. I mean, when we find Datu, he's locked in an elevator in the tower. And right. since that time, he's been with someone covering for him. So we haven't really seen this much night, like, trusting attitude out of him. So I'm not sure how much longer he'll last being out there with only hope. But there's not a lot of people left in the world, so maybe he'll make it. True. And, you know, again, Datu, when he was by himself in that in, in the arena, did bludgeon a zombie. To, he did bludgeon a zombie to death. I forgot about that for a with second. With a table leg. You know, and again, yay, King Datu, the resourceful. You found a weapon when there was none to be had. Um, but, you know, he bludgeoned one to death. Um he shot the one in the helicopter, granted, you know, it was kind of like a shooting gallery. Here, shoot it. You know, he's, he, he gets by. He's not. He's the type of person that if you were picking a gym team in gym class, he would be the last one selected, but somehow he'd be the gym class hero and he would win the game for you. Like, he's that type of person. I just don't know how much longer it lasts for him because he keeps making, you know, really bad mistakes with other people. So, I don't yeah. know. He's a, he's a confusing character. He is King Datu the Resourceful. We all love him. I have a man crush on Datu. Um, I know I read that somewhere. It made me laugh. In class, I got in trouble. Oh, sorry about that, dude. I <laughs> try not to make people laugh ever. Because um, that's not how I roll. So, there there's that. Um, hope is annoying. Timid is timid. That, I mean... Kimmet's Kim a dick. Kimmet's a dick. Kimmet blew up the world. I've said it a few know. times on the forum. Kimmet's a dick. He's going to make radioactive zombies. 
No, he's not going to make radioactive zombies. <laughs> okay, let's talk about the radioactive zombies. There's a theory on the forum that has been posted uh, ad nauseum by a lot of people um, ever since we learned of the nuke. Uh, oh, Cyrus. Kinda... <laughs> oh, Cyrus. Um, <laughs> about uh, radioactive zombies. Now, we know that they are zombies are resilient. They have thicker skin. Well, these, these ones, in theory, have thicker skins, thicker bones, have membranes around their organs. Um, but as Tanya said, they're not that much different from you and I. Uh, they are... They are of similarness. They're they're fragile enough that if you shoot them in the right way with the right gun, they will die. With the right uh, amount of bullets. With the right amount of bullets, namely fourteen thousand. Uh, if you catch the right one, you can cut its legs off; it'll bleed out. You know they are relatively alive for zombies, so I don't know that they can be radioactive. I don't know if they could sit there at the outskirts, get blasted by radiation, and then turn into this glowing monster. Hmm. I, I just don't know if it's possible. Do you, but you you seem to support this theory. No, I was just joking. <laughs> Good. You can stay. I was just joking. I just I like to play the back and forth of Osiris. <laughs> yeah. Um. So that's I think pretty much it for this episode. There was it, a small little theory about um. When Michael goes out to the smoke deck and the girl says that the French girl was here earlier and people oh, are thinking... Oh, I wrote that down and she, I forgot. ...what's going to happen with Riley. Is, did I, she go to Boulder? I don't think so, but... Right. Um, the That little private lady came out and said, uh, the, the French girl tried to come in, I couldn't let her, blah, blah, blah. Um, and people were saying that was Riley coming, all excited, I finally get to go and do something special and fun. Um, and... They took it as that. I don't know that it was... Riley probably doesn't know what's happening in terms of the nuke. Because I think only people in that command center know about it. Yeah. So, it's obviously not that. It's not her trying to, to plead a case to keep the, the nuke from going off. So, it's not that. It couldn't. It could be that she's going to Boulder. It could be that she finally finished cleaning up and wanted to let him know from the autopsy. <laughs> Although that would be a really long cleanup because that was about, I think it would have been about 12 hours before that. Um, so I don't know. I don't know what what reason other than what people have suggested I'm going to Boulder do you think it might have been? Honestly, it could be anything. You know, the way everyone knows the way that Casey works. If you put something in there, it's for a reason. I'm just trying to figure out what the reason would be. I thought you would know. No, I, I didn't put too much brain power to it, aside from listening to what people... there's definitely something to it. I would say there's definitely something to it. I don't know how important it is, and I guess maybe that's something that we'll find out in the next chapter part, is uh, what happened with Riley, because you know, we've blown up Boulder, we only have two connections to it right now, and that's Hope and Datu. Um, So maybe we do focus entirely on on, uh, Irwin and the things around there, and find out that she went there, and that's maybe why Michael loses his mind and tries to kill Kimmet or whatever. I don't know. Maybe she was just trying to have a drink with Kimmet. Maybe. She was really looking for Michael. <laughs> she wanted to have a drink. Maybe she found a bottle of alcohol. <laughs> she just wanted to share it. It's a celebration! We're killing the last human city! Have a shot! You know, like you do. Um, My dog is looking at me funny because he thinks I'm talking to a wall. I think that you should promote this. Continue to talk to the wall forever and ever. <laughs> uh, let me see here. This is one of those things where I would request that Bees edit it, but I know he won't. So, with the new launch of the website, uh, again, you heard about this on the previous podcast with Casey, um, was that the forum links directly to zombiepodcast.com not zombiepodcast.com slash forum zombiepodcast.com so users of the forum as you are going around posting threads do be careful of your spoilers in your titles we don't want to spoil things for people that are new because once again people that show up to the website aren't necessarily caught up there are a lot of people that are not there are a lot of people that tread through here very carefully trying to avoid spoilers um, and we do the best we can to make sure that they don't get spoiled. So 
if you're posting a new thread and like, oh my god, nuke boulder. No, no, don't post that. Find a way to get around that if you can. Zombie Bane had asked why it's too extreme talking about the nuke. How about some tension like sending in firing squads that they need to mow everything down? How come no friends besides Tommy have turned? Let's really mess with their heads. I miss Paul. I can't believe no one has lost their mind yet. We need to. We need people who are absolutely losing it and therefore are a problem. Sorry, Casey, your writing is awesome and I hold your storytelling on a pedestal. I'm inspired ready to write air too, but I'm getting frustrated with missed conflict and tension opportunities. I really wish Hope killed one of the guys and told that too. Quit being so frustrating. You can't count on a blind girl to save her life all the time. Maybe this is just how we differ. Hope you don't kick me off the forum. We're not kicking you off the forum. Um, so that's just one of the critiques that we got from uh, this week. So he he said, I loved all 99 other episodes, just not 100. Hmm. Well, I mean, like I said, I like the episode, but the only thing that I think about his thing about bleh, his post is that I think uh, the firepower of the nuke is really the only decision that they could come up with. I mean, a bunch of soldiers going in, mowing them down with guns isn't really going to work for these kind of zombies, you know? Definitely not. That might work at the colony. Yeah, but those are those are Boulder is a pretty substantially cl- sized place. It's I think it's about twenty five square miles. Something like that. And as fast as those zombies reproduce, mm-hmm. that sounded weird. I know what you meant. Bow, 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 bow. <laughs> uh, never mind. Um, yeah, the nuking of Boulder. Makes sense, sort of strategically, because you want to eliminate as many as possible. Now, that being said, um, Boulder's kind of in the middle of nowhere with a lot of geological features in front of you. I don't know that it's necessarily it's as necessary as I think Kimmet made it to sound to be that they had to do it. But yeah, I mean, you know, that, a that's a huge span- at a tactical standpoint. It is like the quickest and cleanest solution is just to clear it. Right, you know, wipe it off the face of the From planet. From a human standpoint, not so much, but oh, from no, a tactical standpoint, yeah. Yeah, no, I completely, I completely understand the tactics, and the more I sort of mull it over, the more I'm really kind of okay with the decision. Now that the bomb has gone off, I, f- I feel like it's okay. I feel like it's an okay decision that he made. I was completely behind Michael uh, for about an episode. And then I was like, you know what? If they can make it back, there's no way Irwin survives. Because at that point, now you have 100,000 of these fucking things. At least maybe, if you're lucky and they were all at city center when it blew up, you might take out, you know, 60, 75% of them. That's worth it, air quotes. The collateral damage would yeah. be worth that. Um, and that's always been Michael's problem, is he doesn't think of the bigger picture. And Kimmy even tells him, Think of the bigger picture. I'm thinking of the bigger picture. This is the best thing to do for us in the long run with the bigger picture. You kind of sort of quoted Angel there. I know. Did a little bit. You feel dirty, uh, don't you? Oh, I have to go take a shower. (laughs) I need to to cleanse my soul with something. I don't know. Rubbing alcohol and a flame. Um, (laughs) Angel. (laughs) feel so dirty um so awkward alex if you feel so inclined where can the folks who listen to this podcast and other podcasts find you on the worldwide webs of twitter facebook wherever you feel like uh getting people to follow you um probably just twitter because my facebook's personal it's at the awkward alex there's another awkward alex don't go there it's like giving someone else my mail (laughs) All right, so the awkward Alex, all spelled out the correct way, correct? Yes. All right, so at the awkward Alex, I am at Nick Voodoo. This podcast is at WND Podcast. Uh, the email, if you would like to be a guest host, just like awkward Alex. That's what I did. That's what you did. Is you emailed me at we're not dead podcast at gmail dot com. Uh, if you want to be a guest host, please feel free to send it in. I will send you an email back. We will get you hooked up. Um, again. It's not really hard. It's not really difficult. You need to have a headset. You need to have a microphone. Um, you need to have a computer. I suppose that's actually probably the most important part. Do you have a computer so you can Skype me? Perfect. Um, 
and then you record it, we talk, and life is good and happy. Um, check us out on Facebook. Uh, we're not dead. Uh, obviously, you want to check out We're Alive because that's the reason we're all here. At We're Alive on Twitter. Um, the absent Brit is at Brit5091. Beesball is at Beesball. Um, I think I pimped everything except for zombiepodcast.com and zombiepodcast.com slash forum. Um, yeah. Oh, I forgot I wrote this down. Uh, people might know of Osiris's book club. It's starting up again in October if you want to get part of that. If you like Osiris in any part of the way. Most people don't like him at all, but if you do, then you can join his book club. I plead the 65th Amendment. <laughs> Um, so if you find Osiris on the forum, um, you can do that. Otherwise, if you go to the uh, main page of zombiepodcast.com slash forum and you click on the community link right ab- uh, below the main site link, you go to groups and you can find it there. Um, so check that out if you are inclined. Um, check out the new redesigned um, zombiepodcast.com. It's so and check pretty. Out. It is very, very pretty. It's really well put together. I'm Got to see it before when it was in beta. It's really, really great. It's really cool. Um, check out the store with the new items if you haven't seen those yet. I just um, looked at some of those before we started. They look cool. Yes. Um, I love... I, I want... If I was still in school, I would love that composition book, to be perfectly honest. Um, the the um, It's the It's Paul, I guess, uh, t-shirt with the man in the pinstripe suit and a long shadow. Really cool looking. Uh, that's also available on the shop at zombiepodcast.com. Um, I feel like if I had was paid five cents for every time I said zombiepodcast.com in the last minute, I'd be okay with that. Um, but I think that we're done pimping stuff. I think that's everything that needs to be pimped. I think so. I think so. If not, um, I will send my hookers back out to pimp uh, so that I can pimp them harder. Um, so for Awkward Alex, for Bees, if he interjected himself into this, I am Nick. We will talk to you next week, and we're out. <laughs>